Well, good morning, church. <laughs> a huge welcome to everybody, uh, everyone online, everyone in Alma, and everyone in Mount Pleasant. Uh, welcome to our very final week of Unsubscribe. Um, I really hope that over the last few weeks, uh, that the Lord has uh, helped you kick a few things to the curb. I hope in actually a very beautiful and a lovely way for you, just a gift from the Lord, that God has just helped you maybe kick some things to the curb that are not just unhelpful, but actually unhealthy in your life. Uh, this series called Unsubscribe, we've been opting out of, I think, um, disconnect, distraction, uh, and some challenges where we are needy, where there's a sense in which in every single one of us, we tend to say, more, more, more for me. We seem, to, we seem to go down that road quite a bit, and we get quite a bit overwhelmed. And my hope is that with the, with the help of the Lord, you've actually been able to find uh, some rest instead of being overwhelmed, that you've been able to practice the presence of God, and that you've been able to be more present with people in your life, that you have found connectedness in relationships. I hope these few weeks have been rich for you. This final week, today, we're going to unsubscribe from being stuck and instead of being stuck, which some of you are, and I've experienced that in my own life as well, God's actually going to help you to move on. So I'd love to just introduce this idea today of uh, just a simple idea of seasons. Now, in the state of Michigan, we have lots of seasons. Uh, in my humble opinion, in Michigan, I think that the fall season is spectacular. I think it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet Earth. Uh, and there are places you can go in this state that are absolutely gorgeous. But for me personally, it's the season after that season that I don't like quite as much. Now, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, and I love it, and I go skiing, and I want to build a snowman. We will pray for you. <laughs> and it's not that I mind the winter. It's just that for me, it just lasts a little too long in Michigan. And in fact, this last season in particular, man, we were well into April going, come on, where is there a little bit of warmth coming our way? There's an author by the name of C.S. Lewis. Perhaps you've heard of him. He's written lots of books. And probably his most famous book that's been made into a few movies is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And in that, he describes a season that is always winter, never Christmas. Always winter, never spring. And he has a character in his book that's sort of the antagonist, the evil, horrible character known as the White Witch. And she's the one who's placed a curse on their country called Narnia that is perpetual winter. So nothing is growing. It's always frigid. It's always cold. And it's lifeless. And she won't allow Christmas to come. She won't allow spring to come. There are a bunch of children in this novel, one of which is the name, uh, his name is uh, Edmund, and he's been captured by the witch. And as he's been captured, he's looking around him and he notices that her curse over Narnia seems to be weakening because this other character by the name of Aslan, which is a great big lion that represents the person of Jesus Christ, has come in power and is breaking the curse of the white witch. This is what Edmund uh, notices and observes. It says, all around them, though out of sight, there were streams beginning to chatter, bubbling, splashing, 
and even in the distance, roaring. And his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why, when he realized that the frost and the ice were over. A little later on, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are with the children, and they hear in the distance the familiar sound of sleigh bells, which they think is the White Witch, but it's not. And they're talking about that her power over Narnia is breaking. It's not the White Witch. Instead, it's Father Christmas. Ever so British, isn't it? It says this, He was a huge man in a bright red robe, bright as holly berries, with a hood that had fur inside it and a great white beard that fell like foamy waterfall over his chest. What a good writer. Now that the children actually stood looking at him, he was so big, he was so glad and so real that they all became quite still. They felt very glad but also solemn. I've come at last, he said. She's kept me out for a long time. But I've gotten in at last, and it is my favorite phrase in perhaps all of his writing, and I've read many of his books. He says this, Aslan is on the move. I like that. The witch's magic is weakening. It's a new season. Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, he actually describes, believe it or not, 28 different kinds of seasons. And he says about these seasons that they're good and they're right. And there's a proper time for them, that there's a time for them to begin. And he says this, there's a proper time for them to come to their completion, for them to be finished and over with. I want to suggest to you today at the end of this series that God would bring some of you into a new season today because some of you are stuck. Perpetual winter. You're stuck in the coldness of winter where nothing seems to grow. So much so that oftentimes you take a look at your life and you say, well, that's just the way it is for me. This is what I know. This is what I experience. I wouldn't have any expectation that for me, that things could possibly be any different. In fact, that's not even a consideration for me. I didn't know that there's another option. It's just always been this way for me. I want you to take a peek at the way God speaks to maybe just a small handful of characters in the Word of God. There's a gentleman in the Old Testament by the name of Gideon, a lovely name. And he is a man of low self-regard, to put it mildly. He is familiar with a lifetime of cynicism and negativity and small thinking and small doing in his life. Look at this brief conversation just over a few verses, and I want you to listen to the contrast to the way Gideon speaks, because he is stuck. And the way God is trying to help him unsubscribe and to move on from, to something much greater in his life. The contrast of their two voices is like night and day. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. God is speaking to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. What a thing for God to say about anybody. Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. So the Lord turns around to him and says, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. 
do not I send you? Such a contrast. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. Can you tell the contrast in there? Night and day difference. I'm telling you right now, there is an invitation over your life into a new season. An invitation to become unstuck from a way of thinking and a way of experiencing life. So gentlemen in the New Testament, who is a despised man, he's despised because he collects taxes for Rome. His name is Matthew. I'm inviting you, Matthew, to lay down tax collecting. Some of you here need to listen to this. You thought this would be your career for the rest of your life. And Jesus says, I have something new for you. It doesn't have to be that for the rest of your life. But that's what Matthew thought. Matthew thought, that's all I'll ever do. Jesus invites him to lay down this reputation as an unpatriarchal sort of traitor to his people, as an errand boy for Rome. That's all that he is, inviting him to lay down all of the riches and side benefits that he would get as a tax collector. I'm inviting you into a new season, Matthew. And he just does it with two words. Chapter 6 of the same gospel, he says to him, follow me. That's it. I'm inviting you to something brand new in your life. It, it would be like everything is going to change in this new season of your life. Matthew, you think your life is going to be one thing, but I'm telling you it's going to be something different. Jesus looks at another man. Emotional, passionate, impulsive, violent, and unsteady. That's this man. He has the spiritual gift of what I call foot-in-mouth disease. Does anyone have the gift of foot-in-mouth disease? Anyone ever practice that disease? Some honest people. So basically, he says stuff and his brain does not engage. It just blurts out of his mouth. His name is Simon. He says, Simon, I'm inviting you into a new season. In fact, I'm going to describe this new season to you. And the way in which I'm going to do it is going to be really unique. I'm going to give you a new name. Sometimes God does that. He renames things. He says, it's been called that, but there's a new season. I'm going to call you something else entirely. Matthew chapter 16, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He had, he had just spoken a wonderful revelation. For that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He changed his name. This impulsive, unsteady man is now going to be called Peter, which is kind of funny because Peter means that he's a rock. That's what he is. Something very weighty and something very steady. And do you know what happened to Peter? This impulsive, violent, unsteady, shaking man. He became this rock. He became a powerhouse in the birth and life and explosion of the New Testament church and the gospel. New season, Simon. You're not always going to be the way that you are. How many of us have just said, this is how I am as an excuse for our behavior, our thinking, and the way we speak? I have actually very little time for that when people say, oh, that's just the way I am. I'm always like, well, have you tried not being the way that you are? 
give it a, give it a swing at the ball there, you know. But what? That's this mental excuse. I'm just like my dad. Hey, why? <laughs> Try not being like your dad. We say that way too often. He says, I'm calling you into a new season, and you're not going to be the way that you think you are. New season, new name. I'm going to call you Peter. And God does this all the time. God does this again and again. And I bet you, even those listening to me today, there are maybe tons of stories where you're like, God, I can think back. God invited me into a new way of doing life, a new season. He reorients people. It's what He does. He takes them out of one thing and He puts them into something new. Moses, a stuttering murderer hiding in a desert. That's where he thought he would die. He was actually an old man when God said to him, new season, Moses. He was already old. He's like, this is what I will do for the rest of my life. And God said, no, I'm actually going to make you stand up to the most powerful man on the planet earth. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Okay. David, it's He's a rugged boy looking after sheep. Do you know what his expectation of his life probably was? It's the family business. I'll probably be looking after sheep. That's what I'll do. Prophet Samuel comes in and says, I want to speak over your life a brand new season. He actually becomes king of a country. There's a fellow by the name of Paul in the New Testament. And I know I'm going to be horrible when I say this, but I think Paul was pompous. I think he was an absolute academic in the worst sense of the world, word. And I know we've got probably a bunch of professors here from CMU and Mid. I'm so sorry. Like the worst sense of an academic, not the nice academics like you. <laughs> he was a snob. He was a judgmental little snob. I know better than everybody. And he was also an extraordinarily violent man, killing people. Paul, I've got a new season for you. Paul ends up writing one-third of the New Testament, becoming this prolific planter of churches, an apostle. And actually, you talk about the violence of his life, he ended up giving his own life away in violent martyrdom. Tell me if any of this sounds familiar to you. Maybe this is a season of your life right now. Marriage is a mess. I can't really think back on the last time that we would say that we love each other. I don't know which way is up and down. To be honest with you, I'm angry, I'm sad, and one of us is going to file. And that's been going on for, it's just been going on. I can't even remember. It's been going on for ages. I have felt like a parent to my parents for years now. And it's been a difficult transition. And caring and providing and driving and helping and doctor's visits and seeing them lose their independence, and it's hard work, and it's every day. And I don't know when this is going to change. I'm just surviving high school. There are things I like about it, but there are things I hate about it. And I'm trying to just find my place, and I feel like I'm, it feels like a zoo sometimes, and I don't know where I fit in, and I'm just trying to navigate groups and cliques and make my way through it, and it feels like this is never going to change, like I'm just going to be in that forever. I don't know if there's any exit from that. Where's the off-ramp? Kelly and I have a good friend, and years ago she got married. She had a beautiful little baby girl, and quite quickly she got pregnant and had twins. 
Um, and then after she had twins, she got pregnant immediately and had twins. <laughs> Man, the empathy I'm hearing in this room. <laughs> it was like hardcore and more than I expected. She had five tiny babies in diapers. I remember her saying like, I don't even have time to take a shower and she's living in this world and perhaps some of you are there right now or you remember this where it's like, man, my life is just exhausting and it's minivans and bags and diapers and formula and bottles and I don't know when I'm ever, ever going to be able to get out of that. It just, this is it for me all the time. And I want you to hear something today. It will not always be like that. It won't. There are different seasons. Some of you will relate to these perfectly. We're going to get married, and you're in that season. We've got kids that are starting college. You're in that season now, and it's a change. We're empty nesters now. We're looking at each other going, the house is really quiet. We're expanding our business. We just sold our business. We just are about to enter into retirement. Not sure what that's going to look like. I'm just starting my career. To which Solomon says, there is a time in all of that for you to mourn and for you to dance. There is a time for you in all of that for you to speak and there's a time when you should not speak. There are seasons for you to keep things and there are seasons when you ought to give things away. There is a time for you to laugh and to plant and to build. There is a time to be born. There is a time to die. There is a time to love and a time to embrace. One of Abraham Lincoln's favorite phrases, I think, clicks in very, very well with Ecclesiastes and Solomon when he says this phrase. You, I'm sure you've heard it before. This too shall pass. It's not always going to be this way. And some of you need to hear that today. Especially if what you're experiencing has become difficult. If you look at your life and you're like, this has just become so utterly common for me and it's weighty, maybe even you would say, this is painful for me. God would invite you into a new season to, to change your mind about the way things always seem to be. That the sun can actually rise afresh and it doesn't always have to be this way what seems unchangeable to you. So are you stuck? And as I even ask that question, I bet there's a number of people who would just immediately go, yes, I am. I know I am. I don't even have to think about it. That's not a hard question. And then there are others of you, and you're stuck, but you don't even know it. And when it comes to God, there's some of you listening to me now, and the way you relate to God, or even understand God, the way you function with God has become stuck. It's become stagnant. And when I say those words, I actually don't even mean that in a way where I sort of wag my finger at everybody and say, you know, you need to do better. That's not what it is. Something inside of me actually hurts for you, and I want something better for you. I think there's a different way. Some of you, in your head, you know that this whole Christianity thing. You're like, I know it ought to be sort of vibrant and dynamic and alive and powerful, but it doesn't feel like it. You don't hear from God. You don't engage with His Word at all. 
you, you couldn't tell me the last time you had a God-ordained conversation. And this is what it means, man. This is like, I think there's a normality to this in our walk with Christ when you have a, a dynamic conversation with somebody who's hurting, and in the course of that conversation, you realize, man, I actually know the solution, and there's only one solution for this person, and it's Jesus Christ, and the words of life pour out of your mouth, and it changes them. Like, you look at that, and you say, I don't know that I've ever had a conversation like that, ever, because when you talk like that, you're in the game in a different way. The Holy Spirit's got to be all over you, and you'd look at yourself and say, I'm stagnant in that. I don't talk to anybody like that. I've never done that. Or maybe I could think of something decades ago. You believe in God, but if you were to be honest today, you would say, I don't know that it changes anything, but yeah, I believe. I believe in God. Maybe what I believe doesn't even matter. Not in any way that I can tell. And it is in that moment that the evil one pounce. It is in that moment that the father of lies will come knocking on your door. The one whose aim is to kill, steal, and destroy. Who hates you. Do you know why he hates you? Because you look a whole lot like your father. You bear the image of the one who created you. And he will come to you. And this is what he will say. I mean, this whole thing Really? It's powerless anyway. Look at you clocking in here on a Sunday morning. Show to me the relevance of this in a concrete way in your life. Come on. I mean, look around the room. You should be further along. The evil one will come and he will bring a comparison. He will introduce comparison into your life and he'll show you other people and say, I mean, those are authentic believers. Those are, are real believers. Look where you're at. What is this even doing for you? I'll tell you what it's doing for you. It's holding you back. It's confining you. It's a list of don'ts. The kind of don'ts that you want to do because if you do, it'll actually fulfill you and make you happy. So go ahead and let's be done with these boundaries and fences that he wants to put in your life. Give it up. The evil one will promote stagnancy in your life and then blame you for it. Then he'll take a nice snapshot of your life and show it to you and say, are you happy with that? And then he'll blame God for it. And blame the church for it. Blame the pastor for it. Blame the Bible for it. Blame faith or your lack of faith for it. All, either way, in all of that, you're coming out as a loser. He'll manipulate you and twist your arm and badger you. None of this will even work. He'll convince you and question you and belittle you and exaggerate with you. He will depict God as unnecessary and unfeeling and out of touch and absent. He will hit you from every angle and he'll fit you. He'll, he'll bring you to a place at the end of this where you go, poor me. He'll, he'll riddle you with self-pity. You go, I, I'm stuck. Look at where I'm at. What's the point? I want to introduce you to somebody. Hello, my name is Slumber, and I'm a cheat.
I will cheat you out of your God-given destiny because you will demand your own way. I will cheat you out of contentment because you know better than this. I will cheat you out of knowledge because you know more than everyone else. I will cheat you out of healing because you are so full of me, 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 that you can't possibly bring yourself to a place where you would say, I will forgive another person for what they have done to me, and so you will never heal. I will cheat you out of holiness because you will refuse to admit that you're ever wrong about anything. I will cheat you out of vision because you would rather look in the mirror than at God or at people or things that you could do. I will cheat you out of genuine friendship because no one's going to get to know the real you. I will cheat you out of love because love demands a sacrifice that you'll never pay. I will cheat you out of greatness in heaven because I will not permit you to wash anyone else's feet on earth. I will cheat you out of God's glory because I will I'll convince you to seek for your own glory. Hello, my name is Slumber. I will put you to sleep. I'll get you good and stuck. I'm a cheater. And the reason why you like me so much is because I am easy. Everything about me. I'm looking to steal from you. God has so much for you. I'll admit it. But don't worry. If you stick with me, you'll never know that you've missed a thing. Lethargy, asleep, stuck. And often what's really peculiar about being stuck is you find yourself tired. Why would you be tired if you're going nowhere and doing nothing? And it's not because you've done too much. It's because you've done too little of what actually sparks a light inside of you. It's because you've done too little of what God has actually called you to do. Unsubscribe this series that we've been in. I believe it has been a very gentle and loving word from the Father to help you with this endless need for more, 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 for being overwhelmed and disconnected and distracted. And your Father has beckoned you into His presence so that you could be present and content. But now at the end of this series, your Father would come to you like a lion and He would say, wake up! You're stuck! Your Father would come to you and He would speak to you with authority and He would say, I'm calling you into a new season. He wants you to recognize, I'm going nowhere in a hurry. I'm stagnant and I'm stuck. And perhaps you don't even know it. Would you recognize the power and authority of the voice of the one who would say to you, wake up, it's a new season. The evil one would say to you, you will be stuck in a dead-end job for the rest of your life, a dead-end marriage for the rest of your days, that you will be friendless and addicted and helpless and hopeless, that you should be angry at the church, that you are perfectly within your rights not to forgive somebody because of the way that you are hurt and what they did to you and who do they think that they are, and you will always be a cynic and always be negative and always be sick and always be struggling. And the Father comes to you today and He says, Arise out of that lie. 
Wake up from your slumber. It is a new season. His power and his presence and his unchanging nature and his infallibility are combined as a defense for your life. This is what God has for you. The entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit combined literally for your transformation and for your salvation. That is the work of God in you. And when God speaks, he begin, things begin to shake. Wake up, he says. I have a new season for you. His power is limitless. His love for you is unswerving, unchanging. It is steady. His knowledge is infinite. His love goes on and on and on, and every drop of it is for you. The immensity of his divine justice that has been moved that has, for you, that has been employed on your behalf, the Son of God, by the will of the Father and his own will and his own obedience, now gives his character and his righteousness has been given over to you. His wisdom for your life, his instruction for your life, the power of his protection, his love, all of these things given to you as a trust. Do you see the goodness of God in all of this church? All of this, all of this, all for you in Jesus Christ. Wake up. I have a new season for you. I want you to step into this. I want to close by giving you three specifics. And for some of you, it's going to hit you right here, right between the eyes. God invites you into a new season. Concretely, number one is this, forgiveness. Some of you have been caught with a hook through your lip. And you're good and caught because you bit down on offense. And you've been caught on that bait for way too long. An entire season of your life that for some of you have lasted months, maybe even years. Today is the expiration date on you being riddled with offense and unforgiveness. Today is the expiration date on your lifelong quest for justice and putting somebody straight and wagging your finger at them and telling that person off and letting them know how much they hurt you and how much they wounded you. You've been stuck in that for years and God is calling you to unsubscribe from being stuck and with God's help to move on. Don't give that wrongdoer any more power in your life. Leave them to God. Let God be your defender. And he will bring perfect justice to bear at the perfect time in your life. Today is a day, God, I'm going to move on from that. There's nothing more for me to learn from this season. There's nothing more for me to glean from this season. There's nothing more to be gained in staying here. It's time for me to step into a new season of forgiveness and freedom. Number two, and this may take you by surprise, is optimism. God is calling you into a new season of optimism. <laughs> what is that? This is a great new season that God would call you into. Because you have been wallowing in cynicism and negativity for way too long. Way too long. Some of you want to look to the right and left right now. At somebody that you know is stuck in cynicism. And I get it. 
It's not hard in this day and age to take a glimpse online, to watch the news for 10 seconds. It's not hard. You look at the state of culture or what we prayed about early, earlier in, in terms of shootings in a school. You look at the state of politics, inflation, racial tensions, people that you encounter. It's not hard to walk away with a cynical attitude. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, let's just put a good old happy smile on our face and give it a good old college try and click our heels together and let's all be happy, happy, happy. That's not what God is calling you to. This is a season where God would call men and women into a place where they would think about things that are noble and right and pure and admirable and trustworthy rather than sitting on the bench and poking holes and pointing fingers and making cheap jokes. Today, in humility, you would admit, I've been a cynic. I've developed that in my life. And to have the intellectual courage to stand against just tearing people down and to move on and to pray to God could I be a powerhouse of encouragement and support and prayer and offering solutions? Dear God, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I'm leaving cynicism behind. I'm not doing that. Lastly, number three, God invites you into a season of new direction. Some of you today, you feel aimless. And I'm not talking about in a small way. I actually mean like a big slice of your life something very significant. Maybe your career. Maybe even as we looked at last week, relationships. Maybe how you spend your money. Something big, like a big portion, something that takes a chunk of your time. And actually, if you were to be honest, you'd say, I've become a little disillusioned with the way I'm doing that. I think I'm on autopilot. The way I'm thinking and functioning doesn't require much of me at all. That's not, that's not demanding the best of me. I think I could just go on autopilot and do this again and again and again. In fact, if I were to look back at my life, if I could do this and I were to look back 10 years, but I continue to live the way things are exactly the way they are right now, I would look back in those 10 years with tremendous regret. And I don't want to do that because I know that God has called me to greater battles, more noble pursuits, godly ambitions that I'm not touching in my life. God wants you to unsubscribe from just floating along on the current. Be steady, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work is never in vain if it is the Lord's. Church, Aslan is on the move. Let's pray. Father, we recognize we recognize in your presence that you are regularly in the business of change. God, you do that all the time. You give new names to things. You challenge the status quo. You do this all the time, God. You transform us. You morph us. You bring us into new life and you introduce new seasons. It says so in your word. God, in this equation, the one person who's not stagnant uh, is, is you. You're not stagnant, God. You never are. You are always on the move. You're always doing a new work. 
In fact, your commitment to completing a work in our lives is astounding. Thank you for that. Today, Lord, we want to respond in obedience. So, Father, I pray that we would be a church that would be rested and relationally connected and content, that we would be present with you, present with people, that we would know when to say enough. Thank you for leading us into health over these few weeks. But today I pray for every man and woman who is stuck, whose walk with you has become lifeless. I pray that we would be shaken by your spirit, that you would awaken in us nothing less than the very activity of God in our lives. Fill us with gratitude and wonder and hunger for the gospel and for what really matters. Father, we thank you for your great care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Church, before you head out the door, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to uh, launch into a brand new season, uh, excuse me, series uh, for the next two weeks called God and Culture. And uh, these sermons will undoubtedly be PG-13 sermons. So I want to give you a heads up for that. And so if you have little ones, make sure that they are having a great time at Kid Life. It would be more appropriate for them to be over there. All right, God bless. Have a great week.